Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. And Pastor Paul, we do celebrate your birthday with you, and we want to take that moment and just recognize and call out the fact that you may be a year older, but as a segue to the sermon, you're also a year wiser. You're old. See, see what I did there? There's the old adage, time-tested adage that says that with age comes wisdom, right? We've all heard this. And I draw our attention to that at the beginning here today because only if it were that easy. We live enough life to know that that old adage does break down over time because we know that age does not necessarily equate to wisdom. That old adage comes from just living life. And I guess the logic behind it is, well, if you live enough life, and I guess if you learn from your own mistakes, you walk through life, that produces a certain measure of wisdom. And there's certainly truth there. But age is not the source of wisdom. You can live a long life, and you can make plenty of mistakes, and you can still be trapped in those mistakes years or even decades later. You know, age doesn't provide us with wisdom. God and God alone is the author, the source of wisdom and our inspiration for how to live as wiser people. I've known people that have been trapped inside their own mistakes for far too long, 20, 25 more years those addictions that never seem to go away, the vices of life or poor decisions that were made years ago. When God gets a hold of your life, when God becomes the source of your wisdom, when you rely on his wisdom and not your own, all of a sudden our eyes are opened like the Apostle Paul had the scales falling from his face. When you see God and experience him in a new way, you receive his wisdom and he changes everything. And sometimes God uses creative and powerful means. Almost like you're waking up from a nightmare, years or decades in the making, and God uses someone or something to rattle us, to stir us awake. His wisdom is unmistakable when it happens. So today, we're going to look at getting wisdom. As Pastor Paul mentioned earlier, we're looking at foolproofing your life as if it were that easy. Let's just give you three steps of how to foolproof your life and send you on your way, and we're good. We're going to look at a series of different Proverbs today. So this is going to be one of those where you want to take some notes as far as the references, because we're going to go pretty fast through some of them. The book of Proverbs is complete with Words of wisdom, words to live by, and how to foolproof your life. So the selected texts that we have today have that theme there, but it is not an exhaustive list. We're going to dive right in. We're going to start at Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to read to you starting at verse 20. And, and actually, just as a precursor to this, you can keep that on there. Uh, Pastor Carl last week just preached a wonderful sermon from Proverbs chapter 8, talking about the personification of wisdom, used as a literary device. We see that right here at the beginning of Proverbs. Wisdom is personified in, the, in a female context here. And you see here, Proverbs 1, starting in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. 
At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? So it's quite a powerful picture. Right at the beginning here, you see wisdom personified. You can just imagine the image of wisdom heralding, shouting out, maybe a megaphone on the streets, crying out for anybody who will listen. And the message that wisdom is crying out is simply put, how long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? The, the word there, simple, is synonymous with foolish. How long, O oh foolish people, will you love being foolish? How long will you foolish people delight in your foolishness and fools hate knowledge? Now, this seems on the surface like an easy passage. Like, okay, Pastor Mike, we got this. None of us here want to be considered foolish. By foolish, I mean the negative context, not being, not being foolhearted or you know, having fun. It's not that at all. It's truly being foolish compared to growing in wisdom. None of us want that or long for that. You line us all up, you say, give me the life that leads to wisdom. And of course, I don't love this. And yet that's what wisdom is calling out. How long are you going to love this? How long are you going to hate knowledge? Parents in the room. I don't care if you're a parent of a six-month-old or a 60-year-old. Can I have just show of hands, or maybe one hand, two hands, or shout it out? Just let me see the parents in the room. All right, good. If you're a parent, you understand this all too well. Parenting is quite an adventure, isn't it? Wisdom being parenthood. Wisdom speaks out. This is one of my favorite ones. How many times did we go here when they were little? Please remember to wear your winter coat. Do not take your winter coat off. Don't leave your winter coat at home because when you're on the bus and you're at school or after school, you're going to be frozen. It's January. And sure enough, they come in, they come back in wearing athletic shorts. I don't know if anyone, maybe I'm the only one this happened to, wearing athletic shorts and just frozen. Wisdom cries out, oh, simple ones, how long will you love being simple? That type of a scenario can be played out in dozens of contexts as a parent. We speak, we try to speak words of wisdom to our children. They would never call that out saying, of course, I love being foolish. I hate knowledge. Our children would never speak that of themselves, nor would they recognize it. As parents, we have that different type of perspective to know that even though they're just charging ahead, climbing that tree when you told them don't do it, or, you know, this boy, I have two boys, two teenage boys, so that, that kind of, some of you can't relate to. Don't, please don't jump off the roof like that. No, just, it's, you're, you're gonna, you think you're gonna land in the snowbank, but just please, wisdom's crying out, don't do this. We have that perspective as parents. The scripture takes a different angle because as we can all laugh at that in our own way we each live in that type of foolishness in God's eyes God is our heavenly father in every amazing beautiful context and he has our best interest in mind at all times so wisdom personified as God here cries out to us how long are you going to love being foolish well God I'm not foolish I don't hate knowledge 
let's build a little bit of a profile here of what it means to be foolish. I'm sure none of us can relate to these things. This is for all those other people. Right? You're looking around like, yeah, people in the sanctuary need this. Not me, but they do. Profile of a fool. A fool, as we see from these scriptures, loves being simple and hates knowledge. So far, you're all with me and you're all like, yes, that is for somebody else. That is not for me. Good, I'm glad we're all on the same page with that. Let's go to another proverb. There's a section of verses in Proverbs chapter 8. Pastor Carl again preached on that last week. And I want to take us back here really quick because it gets to, as we said before, the source of wisdom. We're looking to foolproof our lives. We need to understand wisdom a whole lot better. So Proverbs chapter 8, starting at verse 27, just a handful of verses here. This is speaking about God himself. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. This again is that personification of wisdom. Wisdom is speaking, talking about that great, powerful, creative, redemptive work of God and wisdom is saying, I was there when God was doing all of these things. The implication that we know, having the benefit of the New Testament, in John chapter 1, is that this is referring to Jesus Christ. Wisdom is personification of Christ. He was there at the beginning, and the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God at the beginning we know how that scripture goes, that nothing on this earth was made that hasn't been made without Jesus being there. And the word then became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We know him as Jesus Christ. So let's build a profile, not just of what a fool is. If we're going to learn how to foolproof our life. Let's build a little bit of a profile based on what wisdom is and what wisdom does. So profile of wisdom is, well, wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is the full embodiment of what we call wisdom. He is the source of it. He is the embodiment of it. And he is the example that we need to follow in seeking after wisdom. Verse 32 from that passage says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. I'm going to say this. This might sound like it's obvious, but I want, I want the profundity of it to really hit here. Church, let us anchor our lives to Jesus Christ. His life, his teachings, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, his example, his entire self. Let us anchor our lives to his as he is the source of wisdom. Let us keep his ways as is called out here in Proverbs. Hundreds of years before Christ came, we were learning this truth. Wisdom 
speaks to us. Wisdom longs for us to listen. Wisdom shouts out in the marketplaces, listen to me, please stop being foolish. How long are you going to be simple and love being simple and hate knowledge? Jesus is here, not just as the author of wisdom, but the author of all knowledge, giving it to us. Are you hearing me yet today? Let us continue to grow deeper into Christ. Let us continue to soak in his word. But we're just getting started. We're still building these two profiles. How to foolproof your life, you have to understand more about what it means to be foolish. And then, of course, contrast that with wisdom. So I've got three Proverbs coming up next, three verses that are just symbolic of each of these chapters. I want to implore you, read through these chapters in greater context later today. The reason I'm not sharing more is because I don't want to keep us here till dinner tonight. But let me read these three verses to you. Proverbs 14, 15. The simple, or fool, believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Proverbs 15, 5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Wow, there's a lot that we could unpack just from these three verses alone. And I want to walk us through this real quick. There's a, a tie-in here with each of these three verses. The simple believe everything. I'm so glad we don't have to worry about that in our world today, right? I'm so glad that, just think about how badly we messed this up as a culture. Pastor Mark, I don't believe everything I, I hear or read on the internet. I, of course, everything that I read is fact-checked. And of course, I, I don't believe everything I see on TV or read in a newspaper or in an online article. I mean, obviously, I use discernment. I believe that if our culture functioned that way, the world would be a very, very different place. But we are, our entire culture is geared toward opinions. And everyone's opinion trying to shout louder on top of each other. And sometimes we get so swept away by momentum or by crowd mentality that we begin to believe everything we see and read on the internet or the echo chambers of Twitter or some other form of media that we consume that all of a sudden we find ourselves believing everything. The prudent give thought to his steps. All the planners in the room are saying an amen right now quietly. They give thought to their steps. It's methodical. It's thought out. It's planned. Leave nothing to chance. All the, the type A's, the planners are like, yes, Pastor Mike, preach it. Or even to take that one step further, pun intended, sometimes maybe we need to focus in on a Proverbs 3 mentality. Right? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what is God going to do for us? He will make your paths straight. The prudent gives thoughts to our steps, but the foolish person just believes everything that they hear and just is along for the ride and just sort of goes with the flow. The prudent person is not gullible. They exercise discernment there. And I want you, that's what I want you to see here. Don't be gullible. Okay, that's, that's an easy one. A foolish person is gullible. That's not me, Pastor Mike. Well, then really let's start consuming our information maybe slightly differently. 
Moving on to Proverbs 15, 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Two things I want to say about this really quick from the child's perspective and the parent's perspective. Go ahead and think. Maybe, maybe your, your actual dad maybe was not a, a good example of somebody that you should have heeded their instruction or correction, as some other translations say, or, or discipline. So it's okay if it's not your actual father, there's a father figure somewhere along the line in your life that you can look to, that you can apply this to. Who's that person? You ever wish, think about, I, I have an encyclopedia of this. You ever wish you spent more time listening to your dad's advice? David, if you're watching at Liberty, it's okay. I couldn't resist, he'll text me later. There's so many things that I wish I listened to my dad closer with, deeper on. A fool despises the wisdom of a parental figure, a father figure. Not just related to the dads, it's moms as well. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. So you heard from the kid's perspective. But now I've got a word for us. If we're foolproofing our lives... I want to talk to the dads in the room and the moms too by that extension. May we never lose sight of the awesome responsibility and privilege that we share as parents to speak through our words and our actions profoundly into the lives of our children. And this proverb here is a call out to us to understand that they're listening or at least they should be. They're paying attention far more than we think. You have an opportunity to either lift your children up and lead them closer to God, or you have an ability to steer them away from their faith and perpetuate foolishness in their lives. May we never lose sight of that awesome privilege and responsibility. To despise the sound instruction and correction is pride. It's prideful to do that. Let us not be prideful people. Let us receive and heed correction from these figures in our lives that are speaking wisdom to us. Lose the pride. Embrace the wisdom of our elders. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Of the so many things I could say about this proverb, there's a choice that we make to follow the wisdom of the world or or the wisdom that God gives. To do so misguidedly is to follow the wisdom of the world. And all of us here could sort of nod our heads in agreement, of course, Pastor Mike, you're right, foolish people follow the wisdom of the world. And yet our entire culture is set up and set in direct contrast by a large degree to the wisdom of God. Culturally speaking, the wisdom of God looks like foolishness compared to the wisdom of the world. And how many of us in our lives, in your own life situation, are so swayed by the wisdom of the world that we sort of marginalize or maybe just do lip service to the wisdom that God provides. On the surface, yep, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Oh, steer me clear from that path. But examine your life. Maybe see if you've been living your life foolishly 
Not because it's intentional, but because, well, this is just the way that a man's path is set. There's a higher calling in our lives, folks, is to embrace the wisdom that God gives. Don't be misguided. So let's just quickly populate that list again. We're building a profile of a fool and a profile of wisdom. In the profile of a fool, we got loves being simple and hates knowledge, believes everything, dismisses the father's instruction and follows the wisdom of man. Oof. All right, these are all clear-cut things we want no part of, and yet maybe as you examine your own life, being honest, you find that maybe you've fallen into some of these things. Profile of wisdom. Jesus himself is wisdom. Wisdom speaks to us, longing for us to listen, and the question is, are we listening? Wisdom are those who give thought to their steps, or better yet, allow God to determine their steps. Wisdom heeds reproof from the people that God has put in our path. Wisdom are those who seek God's wisdom over the wisdom of man, the wisdom of this world. If only it were this easy, the world would look like a very different place. You ready to move on to another proverb? Aren't you glad you came to church today, by the way? Right? This is sort of uplifting. Oh, maybe I am a little bit on the foolish side. We got another layer to go in the book of Proverbs here. I want to take us to Proverbs 18. The first eight verses of Proverbs 18. Now just get ready, because there's some, there's some uh, haymakers thrown here by King Solomon and others. Proverbs 18, starting at verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. (laughs) I'm going to say this right now. Read those verses again today. Don't just stop at verse 8. Keep going through the rest of that chapter. Dig deep, journal, study, dwell with these verses. We're going to quickly cover them here. We're going to add to our list right now. But wisdom can be gained just from examining these verses unto themselves. Let's go directly into adding to this profile of a fool based on what we read here in Proverbs 18. Adding here, a fool seeks his own desire. In connection to that, it says that he isolates himself or herself. When we cut ourselves off from fellowship with one another, we become indwelt. And when we become so indwelt in our own universe, our own world, all of a sudden our world starts revolving around us. 
and we fail to see the needs of others around us. We fail to worship together in the congregation. We fail to engage with the larger world around us. We fail to see God's mission unfolding in our lives and we fail to listen to the other people that God has placed in our path. We become so indwelt unto ourselves that a fool seeks his own desire. A fool is only about his own opinion or her own opinion. I'm so glad we don't live in a world like that either, right? Where, where we don't have to worry about people just going on and on and on about their opinion instead of being respectful of other voices. It's all about me. A fool has lips that walk into a fight. All right. None of us are looking for a fight. And by fight here, I don't think Solomon's referring to a you know, fist fight. I think it's a verbal altercation, which, as we all know, can sometimes lead to the other type of fight. A fool has lips that walk into a fight. Folks, this is one that, that hits me hard, pun intended, because I understand that my lips have gotten me in my past into so much trouble that I'd keep us here till dinner tomorrow unpacking all of it. We fail to see the power of our words and when they are spoken and the impact that they have to either build people up or destroy. And a fool is someone whose lips walk into a fight. They don't intend to. But that's how it goes down. You just start going and going and you start rolling. And before you know it, you have not just offended somebody, but you've potentially ruined lives and ruined a relationship or ruined so much more. A fool has lips walking into a fight. Examine the power of your words. And maybe some of you maybe reset that filter. It says, should I say this right now or should I not say this right now? Some of you need to go home this afternoon and reset that filter to make sure you use discernment when we speak, not because you had to walk, walk on eggshells with people, because the power of your words carry more weight to it than you think they do. And a fool spreads whispers of gossip. The, uh, the language there in verse 8, let me just read that quickly to you again. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The, the commentators are, are agreed this is referring to those who are prone to gossip. They just whisper, did you hear? We all know how gossip works. We've all been guilty of gossip and we've all been the victims of gossip. Gossip is one of the most destructive forces in families, in communities, in workplaces, in churches, in communities, in countries. It has the power to just destroy not just reputations, but so much more. These are the marks of a fool, a profile of a fool. Again, not an exhaustive list. Let's contrast that with wisdom. You don't see wisdom talked about here in Proverbs 18, but it's alluded to. That's why I put these last few in parentheses so that you understand sort of the flip side of the coin that we just discussed. Wisdom seeks understanding from others. It is so important to be in community with one another that we gain insight from people that share our faith, our values that we can build into and be built by. 
Wisdom seeks understanding from others. Wisdom knows how to rein in the tongue in those moments when that filter might not be working the way that we need it to. Wisdom reigns in that tongue and understands there is more power behind my words than I realize. And wisdom avoids gossip because we all understand the destructive nature of gossip. So you see the profile here. And just to go to the next slide, the choice is pretty clear and the choice could not be any easier. We've got this choice of to be a fool versus growing in wisdom. And hopefully every one of us would legitimately say, forget that foolishness stuff. I want to grow in wisdom in life. We're going to make a quick dramatic change from the Old Testament to the New Testament right now. I want to take us to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I'm going to set the scene before I show you the text. This, I'll tell you the reference. You can flip there. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. It is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. We get bits of it recorded in the Gospels. In Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, you see this beautiful, hard-hitting, no-holds-barred, radical And I I don't exaggerate when I say that radical message by Jesus. Again, I'm I'm sharing you all kinds of further study for later. Do yourself a favor, read through the Sermon on the Mount again and watch how that'll transform your life. So as the Sermon on the Mount is coming to a conclusion, Jesus is wrapping up his words and he, in a stroke of genius, says these words at the conclusion of that sermon. Listen to Christ. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is a masterful storyteller, and he uses this story to begin to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. So just visualize it, if you will, because he shares it so visually. We're going to some beachfront property right now, okay? You got home builders. You got two home builders Want to build some beachfront property, beautiful mansions. You get the designers, you pay them an exorbitant amount of money, and they start building these mansions. But the one person just says, I really want my house to be literally on the beach. And you know what? To, to cut corners, we're just going to do the foundation of sand. I mean, I mean, I want to be able to just go down my steps and put my feet in the sand. So that's going to be the foundation. And the other person So, all right, let me take a few steps back from the actual beachfront and let's build that foundation with stone, with rock. Obviously, it doesn't take a design expert to understand one of those two houses is going to stand when any kind of a storm comes. Forget a hurricane, but any type of a storm. And Jesus uses such an obvious illustration to prove a very important point. Uh, Look at this next slide. This is why I reference this passage here is because he talks about a wise man and a foolish man. It could not be more obvious. The wise man is the one who builds that beachfront property with a foundation of rock, and, well, the foolish one is going to build it on sand. 
Jesus is not interested, in case you're wondering, he's not interested in giving us home improvement tips or, or, or um, you know, construction tips here. Here's where he's going with it. The foundation upon which you build your life matters. That's what he's talking about here. You can have the foundation of your life be on sand, which will leave your life to ruin. When troubles come your way, when the storms of life rage, which we all know that they will, I'll talk, describe that in a minute. But Jesus contrasted, obviously saying, the foundation of your life needs to be built on the rock and that's going to provide you with that strength that you need to weather the storms of life. The obvious connotation here is that Jesus is the rock upon which we are to build our lives. There's so many other foundations with which you can choose to build the foundation of your life, if you're being honest. Some of us choose to build our life on the foundation of money and material things and wealth. Some of us choose to build the foundation of our lives on relationships, on joy, on, you know what, I'm just going to go have fun, live in the moment, viva, whatever. (laughs) Some of us choose to build the foundation of our lives on a different value system, a different faith. You can choose to build the foundation of your lives on a lot of different things. Jesus' words ring true. That's the equivalent of building the foundation of your life on sand. So, okay, build the foundation of your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Can you just all humor me to make sure you're still with me? Just nod your head in agreement if you agree with that statement. Let me see head nods. Uh Uh-oh. No, we're good. Okay, there were a few mild head nods. But the obvious question from there is how? I can make a theological statement saying, okay, I'm going to build the foundation of my life on Jesus, but how? What does this look like beyond the theology of it? Pastor Mike, spell it out for me. Practically speaking, how is this done? I don't want to be that foolish person. I want to live my life with wisdom. Well, just let's go back to that passage again, and you'll see it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. There it is. Everyone who hears these words of mine and just listens and doesn't do anything with it, who doesn't put it into practice, is like the foolish man. Now I hope you understand the depth of this. We can all hear the words of God. If you're listening to the sermon, you've seen a lot of scripture read. You're hearing the word of God. All of us can understand what it means to live the life of a Christian. We can all nod our head in agreement. Yes, I need to have the foundation of my life built on Jesus Christ. I got that. But Jesus' wisdom personified calls out to us. How long will you love being simple? How long will you hate knowledge? Just keep my ways. Don't just hear what I say. Don't just read the red letters in the Gospels. Do it. In a way, you could say, live the faith that you 
profess. This is the way of wisdom. Or you could follow the wisdom of the world. You can hear this all the live long day and not have an impact and change who you are. To foolproof your life simply requires living this faith. You have to hear it first. You have to be people that devote yourself to seeking wisdom, to seeking God's truth. Anchor yourself to the Bible. Anchor yourself to a congregation, to this church, to so many things that God has put into your path. Wake up from the slumber that you have lived with and the foolishness of your ways that you would never have labeled foolish and listen to wisdom, listen to Christ calling out to you, challenging you. Just live the faith that you profess and grow in wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of wisdom. You are the author of it. Lord, we seek your wisdom. And Father, we are surrounded every day by the wisdom of this world that in so many ways stands in contrast to you and to your wisdom and to what you have already shown us and given us. Father, wake us from our sleep. Rattle us out of our foolishness and the ways that we have lived our lives apart from you. Teach us new ways. Father, may each of us here anchor our lives on the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we not just hear his word, but through the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us, would you empower us to live this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, let's stand and continue to worship him.